developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano and Andy Mattioli. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Roma Press Podcast. We hope that you are doing well. Andy, I love that we are doing this a day later because now we aren't essentially forced to talk about that match against Atalanta. Or Hold on, John. <laughs> Hold on. And one that happened at the weekend. Or did it happen? Again, it's like the thing. If you don't watch a certain match, did it actually happen? There's no need to talk about Cagliari, right? I assume if people took the time <laughs> to press play on this episode, I'm just going to go out and make an assumption that it's not for you and I to break down the tactical mistakes made at the back uh, as Gio Pedro scored once again against Roma. Can I just say something? I didn't watch the game against Cagliari, believe it or not. Um I skipped it. <laughs> I, mm. I mean, I, I, uh, I was all in for the Atalanta game, which I think that, you know, if, if anybody wants to discuss something, I think maybe there is more to that game um, because it was, you know, for p parts of it was exciting. Parts of it was distressing. Well, and if you at the, the first half, it wasn't exciting. Well, I I agree with that, but, uh, you know, it's it's a game of two halves and, and sort of both teams managed to do something inflict some damage on each other so at least there was that um Cagliari I got exactly what I expected I think that <laughs> what everybody should have expected yes. and you should have known better and you should have just what I did I went and I watched The Odd Couple with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matha one of my good, favorite good comedies movie. and it was good you know you need that you need the uplifting thing instead of watching um, Roma filled out a midfield consisting of Bruno Perez and Santon. Mm. Well, that was interesting. So <laughs> I have a list here of things we could start out the episode with. So obviously Manchester United. Somebody asked me who this individual was because they saw her in the news yesterday. And I really <laughs> no, didn't have a good no, answer. Please. No. <laughs> and I think, I, I, I know you already know where I'm going with this. So how would you explain, Andy, Diletta Leota to people who do not, don't watch Italian TV, which I'm going to assume is probably the majority of our audience. Like when they saw the news yesterday that Ryan Friedkin is... <laughs> is supposedly now supposedly because now now she came out and denied it right but can, can we also discuss the newspaper that that report well not newspaper but the outlet yeah. that reported it <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It like sort of like a yeah sort of like a dirtier scummier tmz right yeah. right right so it, it, yeah I, I guess that's the easiest way to describe that. i mean they're not exactly yeah this is not the ap yeah <laughs> <laughs> no 
So we could talk about that. We could also talk about how the website, how I have been in a tango. I've been dancing the dance with a guy who I, I don't even know who this is, but I know he has a nefarious connection to a certain individual I have some strong history with. How he has hacked the website for the last week and a half and me not knowing anything about how to do back-end coding stuff when it comes to websites. <laughs> so as many of you may have noticed, the site has had some awful problems the past week, but we're over that now. And you can thank, again, Lorenzo Pagani if you want his address and we can mail him some gifts. Uh, let me know. I have that. Okay. We could go there. Wow, this this is. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of good things. I assume everybody wants to talk about Manchester United, so let's go there. I don't know what to expect Thursday. I have no clue, Andy. The, there's a part of me, and I don't know if this is the optimistic Roma. You've you've done this dance for over two decades now in your life. This team, this particular team. It has to be within the top five I've seen in my lifetime that I, ju I just don't know what they are. I do not know what they are. When I think I have them figured out, they go and completely flip the script and they change things on me. I guess I want to start out with this. Okay, I, I would, again, from a baseline understanding, I think you and I both agree that uh, United are a pretty heavy favorite, yeah? Of course, yeah. They're okay. heavy hitters. We're, we're not. <laughs> okay, I, I agree with that. However, am I ignorant? Am I being too overly optimistic in fooling myself into thinking that the Roma of the past two months really just hasn't given a shit and the poor results, the poor performances are merely the consequence of a team realizing that top four is gone? I know that's something you've talked about on here quite often. You were one of the first ones on that one. And they are thinking to themselves, you know what, we have one competition now, one thing, one thing we care about, one thing we have our eyes on, one thing that we are going to give our maximum effort in, and that is the Europa League. Am I, an, am I ignorant into thinking that the last two months of absolute crap, I guess you could even say three, because they've been terrible again this, uh, all winter, is that simply the result of a lack of caring? Could it be? I, because I I think we would have to agree, at least to a certain extent, that plays some sort of role. Now, whether or not it's 100% the case, Andy, the team we saw against the Ajax, both legs, regardless of the aesthetics of it, when I'm talking about attitude, when I'm talking about output, when I'm talking about professionalism, character, completely different than whatever that was against Cagliari. You, I mean, you didn't watch, but... And same thing against Torino the week before. I just refuse to believe that it is anything other than that. I, it, it's just difficult for me to find any other factor. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, uh, that's why I said I watched the Atalanta game, because if you watch the Atalanta game, yes, you may argue that, you know, that um, the first half, they if you look at the statistics, if you... If um if you look at Atalanta's uh, you know uh, average position on on the pitch, you could you know conclude that they completely dominated us. But it was I saw a Roma that sort of managed to to resist Atalanta yes. and to make them run in circles. Basically, Atalanta were just throwing the ball into into the six yard area from the wing, expecting something from Zapata looking at, you know, a possibility and and then they would have to go back and start from scratch. 
it, it wasn't as you know as uh, clear cut of a domination as we are used to seeing from Atalanta yes. when it comes to playing Roma. Roma in recent years, I've I've seen them get beat down much more heavily than than this time around. I thought that this time around they knew how to absorb whatever Atalanta had in store for them, and then once the once the chance came up, once Atalanta um, had to get rid of Gosens, had to play without Gosens, um, that's when Roma turned it on, and and you could actually see that that was a game if that that was a level of of playing that excited them or at least motivated them to, to an extent not to flat out give up, um, which was interesting because again, Fonseca fielded most of his experienced players against Atalanta and not against Torino or Cagliari. Against Torino and Cagliari, he mm. decided to give Carles Perez a run, decided to let Santon have some fun. Um, you know, it, it, you got Mirante out there against Torino. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's just, it's this is definitely a Roma that has, you know, went so far into the season and finally came to a point where they realized what the limits are. They realized that, okay, this is this is how far we can go. This is the extent that we're willing and we are able to go uh, because of, you know, roster, because of injuries, um, and, and, and dealing with uh, the overall situation um, in the form of an opposition that can focus on one competition and has a whole week to prepare. Um, while you're still sitting there and you're having to, you know, go to Shakhtar and it, go, go to right. Ukraine, travel back, play against uh, some some mid-table Serie or lower Serie team, um, that's that that will definitely, you know, that will def- definitely uh, take a lot of work and a lot of concentration and a lot of effort out of you. And Roma just came to the conclusion that they don't have it in them. They have to. They have to focus on what's realistic. And right now, what's realistic is <laughs> something that is still, you know, by all standards, quite unrealistic, meaning right. go <laughs> go for the major European trophy, which is something that has not been part of our history. Let's put it that way. And then because what else can you do? You know, I saw people that after, what was it, after Atalanta, Say, oh, do you have no, or or even before that, you have no reason not to think that you can't make up all the points and get, uh, you know, top four is still there. Top four is just five points off from you. And um, my answer was back then was no, <laughs> no, you're not gonna, you're, because then you'll have to put maximum effort and you'll still have to pray to the footballing gods that something happens to either uh, Napoli and and Milan or Lazio and Juve, or Milan and Juve, something has to happen to other teams, they're, and, and they're likely not to slow down. Now we're seeing that Milan are, are, are starting to realize that Padre right. Pioli is, um, is not exactly the, the, the genius footballing mind that everybody considered him to be up until two months ago, but is instead somebody that um, is good for about 10 months, and then he's... He should be shipped out uh, to uh, you know a foreign location and and uh, to train some team in Kosovo. Um, that's yeah, that's about it. I mean, this is this is a team with clear limitations. They realized it. They're playing like it. 
I don't really see what all the trouble is about. I I understand that people are like, well, can they t- turn it on? Because right, I mean, teams don't just turn it on. Yeah, we're not talking about you know uh, the, the Zidane's Real Madrid that went for three straight Champions Leagues, right? I mean, this is this is this is a Roma team. This is not the Golden State Warriors where they could you know get beat down uh, and and sit all of their stars on one night and then came back, come back out and, and demolish any team on any day. Um, this is a Roma team that is quite me- mediocre, that uh, didn't have very high expectations at the start of the season. But I do believe that there is something that gets you excited about these Thursday nights, especially when everything is pointing to it. Like this is the only thing worth fighting for right now. Right. Last year, at that point, when you had to play Sevilla, everybody was tired and everybody believed that this is the end of the season has come. There is nothing worth playing for. And they went out and got demolished by Sevilla, and right. rightfully so. So, But I, I do think that there's there's something different this time. Something is, is, is different in the air. I hope that I, you know it turns out I'm right. Um, but this Roma team, as you said, is so unpredictable that to make any kind of judgment leading up to this big, big game um, is is quite near impossible. Now, if we want to take this from a positive standpoint, because my my firm belief is in these knockout ties where it's, you know, anything can happen. There is example year after year after year after year. We could go down the line. There's no need for me to point out individual ones because there's so many of them. Anything can happen. And again, I know I've mentioned this on here before, but Andy, I, I still think that Milan deserved to progress ahead of them. I thought Milan, in fact, were incredibly unlucky. They had the goal ruled out by Cassia. You could easily have met the case that Manchester United should not even be in this competition anymore. Uh, I, again, I think Milan were incredibly hard done. Now, I think if this was a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have felt infinitely more pessimistic coming into this. But it's so abundantly clear when it comes to a couple of things that this team, it's just, it's different. And it does make me wonder, at least somewhat, how does this season look if you have a Mkhitaryan and a Smalling available to you the entire season? Smalling has basically been dead for the past four months. We're not going to make any vegan jokes, by the way, today, because we saw how that worked out last time. Um But can you explain, because if you watched with um, at the weekend, Smalling returns, now listen, yes, they shipped three goals to Cagliari, but I really, it it is, it's very puzzling, Andy, that, or to what extent, not to what extent, but how much Smalling seems to just drastically transform this defense. It is, I mean, it's almost worrisome. You know how last season we were worried about, well, how do Roma get goals outside of Dzeko and Mkhitaryan? Well, this year is how do they stop from shipping goals outside of Smalling? Because it is amazing to me the night and day difference that they seem to perform with when he is there versus when he's not. And I cannot explain it at 
all. Well, it, no, it is come crazy on, but me. no, but it, it's I mean it, it's crazy, but to an extent, you're I mean you're looking at a defense that all year long has gone with Cristante, who's not a defender as great as he has been. Because let's where I see still people making jokes about Cristante playing as a center back. Yeah, you, all things you considered, he's been the best defender for two months. Exactly, all things considered, he's had a great season in in something that is n- r- not remotely his bag of tricks. Okay, this is this is a guy who went from literally playing attacking midfielder slash trequartista uh, at Atalanta to in a, year, a span of two years playing center back. Right. Um, then you have Ibanez and Mancini, who are very, uh, very aggressive. Sometimes too aggressive, and sometimes yes. can make dumb mistakes. Too eager. Uh, Kumbula, who's also been too eager and and also has had uh, injuries that have now kept him out. Um, so it's it's a no brainer that that Smalling, the mo- most experienced one, the one that you splashed a lot of money, the one that you went out of your way to sign him no matter what makes a difference and it's that's why when i'll be looking back at the season and and we'll be evaluating everything um put together uh, there for me you know a lot of people like to say that they you know to put asterisks i i'll put an asterisk to this season just because I've never seen Roma full strength, okay? There was not a single game where Roma were at their full strength. This is, and and you can say whatever you want, but teams that have done better than us this season didn't have to deal with this much uh, pressure, you know? We we saw that Milan opened up strong. Everybody was right. in awe of how they were able to overcome injuries and COVID and everything and play like a team. Now they're starting to fall apart. Now they they're now they're also realizing that there is a limit to to what you can do with everything happening to you. Um, so it's uh, you know it's it's a no brainer, and I would really wish that for this Manchester United game, if and and both games really, if these are the last two games of the season, like in, meaning if these are the last two times that. You, we as fans and them as players have to care about seeing it through. Then I really want to see this team play at at full strength or relatively at full strength. Yeah, absolutely. Given that, though, it, it does seem like, other than Zaniolo, nearly everybody will be available for this double tie. Now, Mancini is going to be out for the first leg. For me, that's I mean that's a heavy loss. But not predictions because I, I, I don't want to do that right now. Um, maybe, maybe we can somehow create some positive, uh, some positive forces by not making any predictions. But when it comes to their odds, though, where are you at with this? Because it, it is kind of interesting in the mere fact that everybody seems to be coming back for this tie. Now, for the top four race, for Napoli, Atalanta, Milan, he's out, they're out, we're missing him, him, him. But now, for these two, you're relatively going to have every single person available, other than Nicolo Zaniolo, which, again, we're going to look back on this season and be like, wow, we really did not factor in enough that Roma the entire season were missing arguably their best player and one of the most (laughs) talented young players in all of Europe. 
uh, something we don't talk about enough, but I mean, there's only so much you can say about it. So I guess when we're taking this from a mere positive standpoint, I, I mean, this is going to be the first time we see nearly everybody together. Think about it, Andy. I know I brought this up either the last one or two ago. Can you tell me the last time that they had their preferred 11? And you don't even have to factor Zaniolo in because I couldn't tell you. Right. I, I don't even know. I didn't Google no. this. No, no, I I agree. I mean, I, I was about to say the Genoa game, but then I remember Jekyll wasn't there and they had to rely on Mkhitaryan as a false nine. So um, even though Smalling was there. So it's, uh, I would really have to go back to September Something it like has that. to be September. Yeah, it September has to or October. Be, yeah, it has to be there because then uh, either Smalling or Jekyll picked up injuries. And, right. Wow. And and we are almost in May. So this is, um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's this has been like almost like, what, eight months of, mm. uh, of, of no real 100% strongest lineup. Right. That's. That's a that's a long time to play without your strongest players. I completely agree. So, uh, given that, then do you listen? It, it's so hard to predict that. Hey, they're going to go in there and and do something in the first leg, get a get a victory. I do think that if we're simply talking about uh, the Roma in terms of ugh, maturity. It seems like that this one is probably more, probably the most poised, I guess, one since the one of obviously Di Francesco 2018, 2019. Um, I don't know, or I guess I should say 2017. No, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. No, please. No. Hold on, real quick. Did you know that? (laughs) So I, I made the mistake of looking at Roma's historical record. They have more losses this season than they did with the uh, Di Francesco Ranieri season. I didn't even think that was possible, but it is. <laughs> it, it, like, I almost doesn't fainted surprise when me. I saw that. That doesn't no, surprise doesn't... you? I was shocked. I thought they had to have had 12 or 13 that year. I do I think, it... though, that, that the 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 7-1, the, the uh, you oh, know, loss course. against Fiorentina, this sort of, you know, the, it, it sort of erases any other does, fact I need does. to know about that season. It, it, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. <sighs> they can do it, though, right? I mean, we're not saying that they are going to do it, but they are capable, right? Because I, I, I think to simply... I, I feel as if Roma are really being tossed aside. Now, listen, I, I could probably say that, and I've been invited on to half a dozen Manchester radios and podcasts, and I'm, prob- and I'm going to say the exact same thing. I think they're being under uh, underappreciated, and they could go... I'll lose by five, and I look like an absolute imbecile. Okay, that is absolutely possible. You would, But I yeah. feel like we are not factoring in what we just discussed. Andy, this is the first time all season. They will essentially have everybody available. First time. <laughs> yeah, and, and having said that, it would be funny to then get a proper beatdown. But I do think... <laughs> oh, God. I mean... Oh man, jeez! <laughs> right? I mean, that would be so anticlimactic. It's it's uh it's unbelievable. But it is it is um it is something that you know it's a scenario that we probably could very easily imagine. Um, considering what team we're rooting for, but but it's true. And and I do think that if there is something as going going out in the blaze of glory, I mean. 
this this is but this is potentially it for a lot of players Mm. you know somebody like jeko a guy who's you know made history and is in the history books forever at the club is on his way out fonseca on his way out, you know oh, we'll, the we'll constant. We'll get to that to end. He's on. No, yeah, go on, of course, go on. yeah. But the the voice is looming over, and it, like today, instead of talking about the Manchester game, we're talking about Sarri, um, uh, and 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 a lot of other names and suggestions of names by fans, um, who thought that Nagelsmann was um. <laughs> who why wrote, would you? On. Who wrote that? Was that La Repubblica <laughs> who wrote that? Who I... wrote that? I don't remember who wrote that, but it, that gives you a hint of sort of the arrogance of Italians when it comes oh to Italian God. football. The idea that a guy like Nagelsmann, who's 32 years of age and has already had a brilliant career so far, is now signing with Bayern Munich. Um, and the idea of him not being fit for Italian football Um uh, and I'm seeing, I, I even saw, I swear to God, I saw the name of Sergei Cosmi. So, um, I, I, yeah, I have a very strong reaction to that. But having said that, you know, this idea that we're about to play a huge game and we're here talking about this name and that name. Uh, so I'm just saying that a lot of it is well, at stake Allegri here. And Allegri having, Alle- uh, yeah. having, oh, having lunch, lunch with one lunch, Galopera. Yeah. Yes, yes. And getting and, and bolder and bolder. I mean, uh, where, yeah, well, uh, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go above the, the fat midget. But, um, no. well, and we have Trotta. She, she, I, I feel like Allegri texts her things to say, hey, now, Eleonora, here's what I need you to write, okay? Uh, it's just, there has been so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Now, this Saturday thing, this is going to come out. Um, sooner or later because I, not I suspect I know that Corriere dello Sport who they talked to finally all, all they had to do was make one message and they would have had it at the same time I did it, it, they're, they're speaking to Sadri's his lawyer um, Pellegrini is his, uh, is his surname it, it's going to happen I think I'm, I have a pretty strong suspicion um, Friedkin's guys are already uh, my, my source at freaking they already said that they met in January. He gave me a huge play-by-play, and then you're going to see Tiago Pinto at some point. He will talk about having met with Ramadani. He'll say that it was for players, but they, they discussed Saturday too. Yeah, the timing of this, uh, that's why I didn't want to publish it right before the match against uh, Ajax, and I waited a week and a half. And I no, of course. Here. I, I, I hate, because if, if we're talking about, because we our patron, uh, Michael Sheehan, uh, we're, we'll have a brief chat with him coming up after Andy and myself. But, Andy, this is just not something in the midst of a European uh, European semi- semifinal. In no other environment are you discussing the manager. Only here. It's only uh, yeah. at Roma. Yeah. And it's, it, it's sort of... It doesn't cast a shadow. That's not the right way to put it. But... It really just sort of speaks to kind of how we ingest football, how we live football here versus other places. It's it's very curious, isn't it? Oh yeah, and 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 that it's it sort of it always it always surprised me how you know how low can you go? I mean, this we're treating this semifinal against Manchester United 
as if it was, you know, one of those games that you watch at the beginning of the season, one of those international cup things in like Orlando or right. Philadelphia. Right, like you can go again next summer, yeah? Yeah, like one of those things where it's just like, what's at stake? Oh, a bonsai tree or something. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> Like, are you serious? Every time and I then... think about that, you know, people <laughs> think about the bonsai tree. I always think about Zaman walking past the, 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 yeah, the, the Disney, Mickey Mouse. The Disney the, characters, yeah. Mickey yeah, Mouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like that to me is how you're right. That's how it's. Been I, I, but I must admit, I got excited when we won that bonsai tree against Real Madrid. I got excited. I was like, mm. "Wow, this this is gonna be great." Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, uh, you know, of all the days, of all the weeks, of all the gin joints that she had to walk, she had to walk into mine. Um, <laughs> of all the days and all the weeks that the Roman press could could have used to talk about this sorry thing and announce it and and then you know carry on with the names they choose this one the the one where you're going out and you're playing a very important game a lot is at stake this is sort of like the the chance for a lot of players to sort of uh, leave something behind mm. for a manager who's on his way out to to uh to further build his reputation on the european stage i mean this is there, it's a lot of things all at once, and you know we choose to to talk about the sort of most trivial one, most really right. uninteresting right. one that we could right. talk about in three weeks' time. Who cares? Um, it's not going anywhere. So yeah. this is, it's 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 happening. It's gonna happen, and and um, yep. um, but this game is. I do think my point is, a lot is at stake, and I do think that players and coach. And everybody involved will treat this seriously because there is, if you if you give up now, then sure, then this season is is as good as that, right? If if you walk on that pitch and you look dead and you look like you just could not care less, then sure, then the season is 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 thrown into the garbage and um, never to be taken out again. But if if you play like you mean it, if you play like this matters to you, then uh, I do think that there will still be something to take away from this season and and carry it on to the next one. What, whoever is going to be there, player-wise, coach-wise, whatever-wise, if, if you manage to make a statement in these final days of the season, then I, I do think that could be important long-term. So do I. I listen. I think you summarized it perfectly. It's not as if Roma, and that's the part that has been frustrating from my point of view. Honestly, uh, there is so much time where we can talk about Saturday. Okay, this hat like this is being treated as if Roma they go to these things once every every other season, you know. And it has been amazing to me. Honestly, I, I bet if you asked some people, they probably care more about the managerial situation than this game on Thursday. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Like if you took a yeah. poll, there would be more people who are interested in the managerial merry-go-round as opposed to Thursday. Would that surprise you if you had a ton of people saying that? Because it wouldn't surprise no. me. No, of course not. Because that's because that's it's always more exciting, I guess, to to think about what's to come and and um, and a lot of people have 
have sort of given up on this theme or they mm. have their you know they have their way of seeing this theme they have already interpreted they have their judgment they've already decided that the coach is trash that the team is no good that um this whole season is is to be forgotten um and we have no chance of doing anything remotely uh important and and um and i it just it's weird it's weird because i i do believe that if there is still something worth fighting for then this is it. And I do think that as a new owner, the Friedkins would certainly want to see their team take uh, a European competition seriously. (laughs) You would hope. Again, I I would assume that they've done enough. I mean, they were engaged in negotiations for almost a year. I would assume that they did a simple search on Wikipedia and they looked at European titles and they saw that it was blank. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So I... (laughs) I would hope that they would instill within the team to take this serious before we go, because I think that was a great point that you brought up about this potentially sort of being like the last dance, quote unquote, for a number of players. I didn't listen. I do think that they have to a certain degree, the ability to turn it on and show more care at other moments versus others. But I think that is a great point that you brought up. I mean, if you just go up and down the team sheet, Andy, I mean, this could be, especially guys that Fonseca at least puts in his uh, preferred 11. I mean, this could be it for a couple. I mean, Mkhitaryan, we don't know. Jekyll, we don't know. We've seen Smalling being rumored with a move away, although I do think it's difficult. Paul Lopez, I mean, how long have Roma been linked to new goalkeepers? I, I mean, this is this is kind of odd. This is sort of like... Uh, the last, uh, you know, the last game that you and the team are playing together in like uni or something where you, you, you just know it's all over after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of players, I mean, listen, what are the consequences of this team really not doing anything remotely important this season? Um, you would see a lot of players say, hey, I mean, I came here <laughs> To, yes, to be a starter, to 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 play consistently, but I need some motivation. I need it. Mm. I, I I thought this team would aspire to Champions League football. If you don't take this Manchester United game seriously, then you'll have guys like Vertu and his annoying agent knocking oh. on your door saying, "We want out. We want right. to go to Atalanta. Why not? We want to go to Inter. Why not? Um, if if those are the teams." that are clearly making a name for themselves this season, not Roma. Uh, If they fail this test, then you'll have, uh, yes, a lot of veterans, a lot of players with expiring contracts walking out the door saying, hey, I'm going to Turkey or I'm going to, you know, to Dubai, pick up my... My my uh, my pension or whatever, but <laughs> we also have uh, a lot of pieces like Vertu uh, along the lines of Vertu, uh, who'll be like, I came here point? to to play Champions League football. I haven't played a single minute of Champions League football since I came here. What's what's the deal? I mean, I've played as much uh, Champions League football here as I did with Fiorentina, right? So. <laughs> So yeah, wow. this is, is this is so it is there there is a lot at stake here, I'm telling you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, I think you just put it in nice perspective for everybody ahead of us. So we're not going to do predictions, okay? I don't want to do that. But to end, simple yes or no. They have a chance here, right? This is not... Uh-huh. I, listen, it's not like you and I predicted that. That you, you say your defense just go Roma would lose 7-1 to to Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia, okay? This Roma... That, this club, I guess I should say is a better way to put it. You never know, okay? You never, ever know. But... On paper, on the face of it, from what we know, I mean, you are not viewing this as the as the the the, the certainty. Like many, I've I've read a lot of British websites. I mean, they can they consider it a foregone conclusion. You are not considering it in that manner because I'm not. No, no, I don't. I don't think it's wise to do so, especially if you're if um if if especially if Solskjaer is uh is 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 uh is serious about what he's saying this guy, I, oh my gosh Oh, you know, it's it's always funny. It's always funny to me the, the the sort of polite answers and the polite interaction between coaches and players. But sometimes, man, these the, the things they say are so dumb and so out of depth. Like your Solskjaer, and <laughs> I hope I I really I mean, as Roma fan, I would hope that that's precisely how he views us. But you know, you would also hope that he he's smarter than that, and um, this is all a big plan to to sort of deceive us. Because no way in hell you can claim that Roma are a brilliant defensive team, and they're a strong Italian side that have a history of Italian football behind them. Blah blah blah. Although, I mean, this sounded like straight out of something a coach would say in like the nineties. You know, um, right, right. When Arrigo Sacchi was there, but this yeah. is this is Fonseca's Roma and. <laughs> they they've just lost to Cagliari. I I don't exactly see this as a a rock solid team with with no defensive uh, leakage. Um, so this is <laughs> I I do think this is this is an open you know this is an open oh, game. Um, it's going to be interesting who comes out more serious because I I do think at the end of the day this is who takes it more seriously. Um, you you know like. I know it's sort of blasphemy to talk about that game anymore because we we saw sort of the consequences long term that that the whole success brought us. Basically but we sold our souls for that. Yeah, but the Barcelona game was about which team cared more and and which team came out more ser- took it more seriously than the other one. So I don't see why why this should be sort of a you know like a crossed out loss. I I, I really don't. I do think that we are inferior. Um, Roster-wise, talent-wise, we are inferior. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it, it really comes down to episodes. We saw against Ajax that if sometimes, sometimes the footballing gods can be on your side, and mm. and if if you manage it right, you can make the best of certain episodes. Um, we saw against Shakhtar that uh, you can you are able to dictate the tempo if you want to that even if this is a team that likes to likes to move the ball around likes to likes to play fast counter attack whatever you can impose yourself um 
So I don't see why not if if in full strength why can you 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 know you're supposed to have zero chances against this Manchester United. Yeah, I completely agree. I I just I don't see this as a foregone conclusion. I don't think it as it is as lopsided as many are making it out to be. Um, I, I I just I think Roma is being too easily dismissed and. I do think there is a chance. I'm not going to go out and say they're going to progress, but you these knockout ties, man. Again, year after year, year after year, year after year. Somebody does it. A team that does not deserve to be there, they end up doing it against these big sides. So we will, of course, keep our fingers crossed. Um, we will ask the footballing deities to intervene positively for us and we'll see what happens. I know it doesn't sound like much. And even when you talk about it sort of in these terms, it, it probably makes it almost sound like a small club, but I don't care. I mean, you really do have to relish these sort of moments because they don't come around often when you right I'm, and Roma. i'm sorry i'm sorry why why would we why would we be talking about a small club i mean as you just said look at the trophies look at right. the history it's really not filled with success quite the opposite so i i, I always laugh at this sort of arrogance of roma fan school you know as i understand you love this team and i love it too but sometimes we have to put two and two together and figure out which club is bigger, which club is more used to this kind of competition, this kind of level. Um, this, these, these stakes. I mean, this is for a club like Roma. Most of the time, this is entirely new to them, and I think that especially this year, to a lot of these players. I mean, think about it. Think about who's going to play for us. Think about Diawara. Think about VR. Think about Ibanez. This is this is their first time. So let's not, you know, let's not consider ourselves losers, but let's also not consider ourselves, you know, uh, a, a regular at this kind of level. Um, let's just embrace it and and see what happens because I do think that at the end of the day. Um, we have a sh- we have a chance. I completely agree. All right, everybody, that is where we are going to leave it. Andy, you will be back sometime within the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You'll be yes. you'll be traveling, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where we are when you get back. I, I'm almost worried in that regard. So safe travels. Before we go, though, I am going to bring on my good friend Michael Sheehan, who is an Roma supporter, and he and I discuss a little bit about the Super League, and I know that's been talked to an exhaustive degree at this point. However, just wanted to have him on briefly to give his perspective on the whole thing, not not in its entirety, but just merely the Super League and how he viewed it from a Roma supporter point of view. So let me bring him on now. Today, I wanted to talk a little more about the Super League. Now, before you press stop, this is not going to be the same points that have probably been regurgitated on every single football podcast that exists on planet Earth. I realize that there is very little from a broad perspective that I could add to the discussion. I wanted to take this Super League idea, the negatives about it, I guess some positives, I don't know, 
but primarily negatives. And I wanted to take it simply through the lens and discuss it simply from a Roma supporter point of view. So joining me for this discussion is my friend Michael Sheehan, who many of you already know is a wonderful patron, but he is also very coy and very modest because some of you may not know. Michael, you, you, you are... You are the most recognizable or one of the most recognizable faces in all of uh, Irish entertainment. And you don't bring that up enough. Why is that? You're too modest. Anyway, you and I both hated this Super League endeavor for many, many reasons. But above all, it was because this is a closed system. That was your biggest problem with this entire thing, yeah? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, John, thank you very much for having me on. Of course. It's a huge honor. I've been listening to you for years, so it's... Uh... It's tremendous. And I can confirm to the listeners, I've always said to you that you're a bit of a, a velvet voice devil. You, you, have, a, you have a tremendous uh, <laughs> voiceover voice. I was convinced for years that it was some Quasimodo guy hiring a voice actor. And you, you were just telling them what to say. But I can confirm to the listeners that you are real and you're the real deal. So, no. That's what happens when your parents stick you in speech classes when you move from Europe. <laughs> About the uh, Super League, yeah, I was very vocal about it. I'm sure there was a lot of the patrons uh, kind of eye-rolling every time they saw me writing something. I was affected by it. I'm kind of sad to say, but like, I was emotional about it during the week. found it kind of horrible, to be mm. honest with you. Yeah. There's been this phrase bandied around, certainly in this part of the world, of legacy fan or whatever. Yes. And you and me are around... We are talking about before we came on, we're about the same generation. I'm five years older than you, but, you know, in our lifetimes, we've kind of experienced more lows than highs as Roma fans. In our lifetimes, obviously, you've had the Scudetto in 2001. Off the top of my head, probably Totti's retirement, De Rossi's retirement. Yeah, you can count on one hand. Count on one hand. There's not many of them. But I kind of thought, am I that legacy fan? Is there a new wave of fan that's kind of come into the game now? And I'm kind of a little bit out of touch. We heard Perez say about the kids now are, you know, they're not watching football. Or 18 to 24 year olds. <laughs> yeah. And he's saying, well, you know, kids are, kids are watching, playing FIFA and picking a team off that. And they have no, you know, they're not consuming football in the same way that you and me would have done, say, when we were kids. But it was very, very kind of filled my heart, really, when I saw, and I'm no fan of Chelsea fans, but when I saw the guys who were outside Stamford Bridge protesting, mm. were all in that age bracket, more or less, that Perez saying weren't connecting with their clubs. And I just thought it was a great, it's a great fucking up yours yeah. to Perez for saying that. My mother's family are, are Roman, obviously extended family. I think Rome is kind of unique and I, I don't like doing this. The connection between the team and the city is very similar to, say, Liverpool, I yes. think. And I you know, know Liverpool very well, live there and stuff like that. My mother's family, I think at the last count, there's three dogs that are called Bruno after Bruno Conte <laughs> between uncles and aunts and everything like that. You know, anyone that goes to Rome, the club is omnipresent there. It, there's shops, unofficial and unofficial it's everywhere between the murals it... yeah you're not getting inside a car without hearing the radio without yeah so many bloody radio stations yeah. I lost count not to count the fellas that are kind of operating out the back of their van with a microphone <laughs> and, a, and half a laptop another thing that can't be lost here is we go on at length about the pros and cons of the Pilata here and I'm not getting into that now but like one of the undoubted positives that he did do was he kind of upgraded Roma's kind of visibility and communication or whatever you want to call it with Paul Rogers and his social media team. And as a Roma fan, like it was, and it's weird to say this about a bloody Twitter page, but it made me proud. Like mm. I was really kind of proud that I was connected to this club and it, you know, 
the various different things like the Roma cares, the, 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 the missing children. And I know people get kind of cynical about it and they go, sure, you know, what, what is it like fucking save the forest? You know, it's never going to win your Scudetto. <laughs> but like, fuck off. Like, do you know what I mean? That, 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 that regime or that, that, that plan, that, that, that affected people's lives, you know, in yeah. a positive way. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in the world it did, you know, and I think it kind of, it's a football club, but when you see it putting out that kind of humanitarian arm, I think it gives the club an identity, which I don't think really existed before, that type of thing. I mean, it was always a working class club in terms of the, the areas in which the traditional fan yes. kind of came from in Rome. Correct. But I think yeah. that humanitarian thing and that working class ethos of giving your neighbour an arm up, to join a Super League, I think, would have gone against that. The one thing about football is, what's magical about it is, everybody is connected. You yes. know, like you and me, John, in the morning could start up a club and with a bit of luck, bit of watering at the roots, yeah. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, the theory is we could get to the top of the pyramid and we could be facing Real Madrid and we could exactly. be facing Liverpool, you know, and, and um, you know, these clubs aren't just businesses, you know, they're not just about making money. They, they represent something. I was, I was at the game in Barcelona, leaving the stadium. The town was, it, the town was buzzing. Like mm. the, the amount of car horns and all the way, we walked right back into the city. The town was electric. These clubs, they don't just exist on their own. They're woven into the fabric of the city that they're in. I think that eventually what would have happened with this Super League is, and I, I'm obviously I wasn't in the in the negotiations for it, but I think the plan was to look at more an American model, which Ugh. eventually I think would have meant dislodging those clubs from their bases. And yes. I mean, we saw it two, three years ago, Barcelona were talking about playing home games in Miami or somewhere, was it? <laughs> I think that would have happened. And I, also, Rome is, let's not forget, uh, maybe of all, certainly of all the Italian clubs, if there was a Super League, and we'll talk about if Roma got in, but if Roma weren't in it and it went ahead, there's never, Toddy's never going to play for Roma. Right, exactly. You know, De Rossi's never going to play for Roma. He'll play for Milan or somewhere, you know. That connection, that having that Roman captain, that was never going to happen again. And actually, as a fan, fan, uh, a match-going fan as well, football is expensive to go to. Yes. And if you're, if you've got a Super League and you've got a flight to Madrid and Barcelona and you know here to Liverpool, you've got to fly here, there, and everywhere. As a Roy, if you say if you're living in Rome, that's really expensive. Very, you know, yeah. You're driving the price up for for everybody, the fan. Every everybody loses out except the owners. Rome is unique as well. This this whole thing of Roma e basta. The people don't give a shit about the Italian national team. A lot of people in Rome, they don't give a fuck about it. They don't consider themselves Italian. They're Roman. That in itself. The football team doing well is a representative of the city and a chance for the city to, you know, to take on the the Juve's and the Milan's and that. Sorry, I'm rabbit on. Sorry. No, no, no. It, well, that's why I wanted to have you on because I, Andy and myself, because of the amount of time that we spend both in Italy and abroad, I, I think when we keep regurgitating the same thing of how unique Roma is in terms of environment club I, you know this isn't me sticking my nose up to to people who don't go to the stadium that to, to me I, I hate when people who who do go to the stadium consistently you know they thumb their nose uh, yeah. to the fans halfway around the world you can attest to this but it is very different and unless I think you've like been to a city uh, to the stadium to the cities and then you go to a place like Milano and you go to the uh, San Siro you you go to the surrounding city where after the 
match, before the match, they're not talking football. No. I've said it a couple of times on the podcast, not my kind of city. I mean, I know our stadium is a good bit outside of the city, but like theirs is like out in the middle of an industrial estate or it looks like it's so disconnected, you know, from say ours. It just seems like when you compare, and and this is something that we can make an entire podcast of everybody. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times I've gone on like a British podcast, Canadian podcast, and they're like, well, why is it the the Northern clubs are so historically much better than everybody in in, in the Central and Southern Italy? And I go, we don't have enough time to get into this. Yeah. But there is one thing that I think is abundantly clear in Rome when you are there, as you just said half a dozen radio stations. Uh, mm. it, it is more than just an experience. It is, it's a lifestyle almost, I guess is probably the best way I can put it. You really don't see that at Juve. You really don't see that at Inter. You really don't see that at Milan. Yeah, of course, not getting that at Atalanta and Bergamo. I mean, come on, you're not getting anything in Bergamo. But this is such a unique environment that, and I know it sounds because a lot of people like to think of their club in this way, you know, mm. we're not corporate, you know, we're, we're, um, we're the grassroots club and yeah, keep thinking of Barcelona where they put the uh, more than a club thing uh, where they yeah, have it in the grants. Don't get me start that stuff this week, man. Please. And then you just roll your eyes at it. Yeah. Mm. Roma always historically has never had that that corporate sort of feel around it that a Juve mm. has had, okay? Where Juve put on their shirt, okay? The only thing that matters is winning and that's all, okay? To me, that right there is a distinct difference between the Roma and everybody else. And everybody will say, well, that's why you haven't won a Scudetto in, you know, 20 <laughs> years. And I mean, I really can't argue that. You can't argue that. But it, it, it's more than just on the field stuff. It is feeling. It, it, it's hard to describe, which is why I'm going to let you speak well, to that further now completely yeah like i wasn't a bit surprised when i heard that uh, milan and, and and juve were were planning on getting involved in this thing i mean i think it was actually it was one of our friends on on the patreon group i think mallory she has a, a lot actually love listening to her her point of view she, she kind of comes at stuff from angles that mm. that kind of doesn't occur to me at first but she actually made the point that we all know it there is that kind of snobbery that they have Right. Uh, over the say southern, if you want to include Rome and that, but the southern teams, yes, you see it with well, Napoli, Napoli get it worse than we yeah. do. I, I was actually dying to jump on it, Joe. You were saying you don't really see that in Turin with Juve. I was like, yeah, but that's because none of the Juve fans exactly. live in right. Turin. They don't live here. <laughs> right, right. Even we saw it this week. Agnelli, uh, I think he was asked at some part. I'm totally paraphrasing here, but he was asked something like, "Don't you think that it, it's out of order that Roma and Napoli and so will never get to Dom if this super hit goes away?" And he says, "Should that." been this case for the last 80 years yeah, and i just thought you arrogant bastard yes. you know that's the attitude though that that's what they think it's like a god-given right but there's always been that 1871 probably even before that you know it's 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 always kind of existed and obviously there's probably more practical reasons as to why i'm not surprised that they would get in not just cultural and just being a fan but there's obviously practical reasons that juve have gambled big on winning the champions league financially they've shat the bed in on that obviously this was a this was a quick injection of cash inter i think was it last month or something their 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 parent company they have a club in china they've gone they folded yes. i think they were top of the league or right. something so Obviously, the piggy bank is, is has, has got mots in it at Inter as well. And we've been hearing for years about Milan and, and, and how, how broke they are. So it doesn't surprise me. I mean, particularly Juve. They're not a club without history in this department of doing things to kind of benefit themselves and kind of screw over everybody else. And it was just a sneaky way that it all happened. I mean, it was just like a bombardment on a Sunday night. He said something the other day of completely illegal what we're doing. Like, yeah, that's nothing to do with it. 
You're right. not, you still don't understand why what you're doing is wrong. I, th- I think the biggest thing with this whole thing is it cut deeper than just being a Roma fan. Cut back to being a kid and no matter how shite you are at football when you were small, every kid, no matter where they were born in Dublin, they were born in Rome, they were born in Liverpool, they were born in Dortmund. Every kid, for my might only be five minutes when they're five years old and they're playing with a ball, they have a dream. I want to play for my city and I'm going to win the, the Champions League. That can't happen now. Or, right. Well, it can. Right. Now, they've, they've thrown it out. But that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to destroy that. And it's very hard to get into all this without sounding a bit mawkish and a bit um, you know melodramatic and a bit romantic about it. <laughs> exactly. But it is that. You it know, is. the sport affords you a kind of a glory that doesn't exist. The only way it exists, they say, is, is a returning war hero or something like that, you know, from the Second World War. The only thing that can give you that type of glory is sport. And they were trying to take that away. And it's just the worst type of money grab. Let's yeah. let's call it what it was. But you're, you're taking a lot more than money. Without sounding too bloody mawkish, as I say, you're taking people's dreams away. And it's just inexcusable. And I hope that they're punished. I guess to sort of wrap this up then, Florentino Perez, uh, Agnelli especially, making a complete fool of himself. Trust me, I, you know, nobody will relish in that more than myself. Especially uh, having lost to Atalanta not long before that Sunday, six months before, this is the same guy who was saying, well, Atalanta does not even deserve to be in the Champions League. Uh, you know, I mean, no, come on, man. I was actually conscious of this on, at the Torino game. I was tweeting on the... On, tweeting, God, I'm such a bloody boomer. Uh, I was texting on the WhatsApp group. I was talking about the, the Super League uh, and I, I, I kind of caught myself. I was like, Jesus, Roma are playing here. But I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. I couldn't give a shit because, I, I mean, this, this doesn't matter. If the Super League goes ahead, it doesn't matter if we finish top four. This just doesn't matter. Ajax's golden generation that won the Champions League. When did they win it? 94, what was it? 94, was it? 90, 90, yeah, right, right. 95, something like that. That could never happen again. Exactly. Because all those, they'd never play for Ajax. They'd be, they'd be gone. You know, Jamie Vardy is another one. I don't know if everyone know the story about Jamie Vardy, but like he was playing for Fleetwood Town. I think they were, if they weren't non-league, they were close to it. And, and you know, mid-20s, he ended up I mean, winning the league on. for Leicester. Right. You know, that could never happen again. You know, there's because the, the structure wouldn't exist for that to happen again. Yeah, I'm glad it's gone. I'm hopeful in saying that I think with the backlash that we've seen from certainly my lifetime that we don't, it doesn't come about. I'd be very depressed. Well, well I guess that that's my thing is the argument that I have heard consistently when even when it collapsed a couple of days ago was you know what this is inevitable this is going to happen whether we want to admit it now or later we just have to uh, accept the fact that this is going to come sometime in our during our lives now i do find this whole thing a bit odd because you you mentioned the comments of perez and talking about 18 to 24 year olds and like you, I often feel very old, like a boomer at times, but I think to myself, okay, well, 24-year-olds are only a handful of uh, years behind you and me. Is the, yeah. is the mm, what does he call it? Like the way they consume football, is it really that different than the way you and I consume football? And maybe it is because he mentioned about how, I mean, they were talking about 60-minute matches. I mean, that, that's not football at that point. That's No, and I, but I don't, I don't, I think he was talking out of his arse, to be honest, saying that because we've got younger members on the, the Patreon and I was curious to hear what, what they would say about it and think to a man nobody was saying right that right. it was a good idea my nephew was 17 I was talking to him about it but he was saying that there's kids in his school like weeping openly yeah, about well, the prospect of Super League I thought well I was encouraged by that you know to see young kids crying well, that, well that's the thing too I and I guess to build on top of that is 
And when somebody poses to me, they said, well, how is it any different than the way the semifinals are being carried out now? And I, when I was asked that, I didn't really have a good answer, to be quite honest with you, because I haven't thought about it that way. Well, the answer, the answer to that, John, is, is, is the pyramid that we've talked about, that, okay, that is, the, that is the way, but with the pyramid, at least there is a hope, like even if you're the worst team in the world, there is a hope that, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a fanciful hope, but there is the hope that you can one day get to that level. The, the, the economics of football have been broken for a long time. Oh, right. And right. what I'm hoping happens is that, that it doesn't end here. We have momentum now. As fans, we've shown that they have a voice. Now, you could also, the cynic in, cynic in me says, well, we found out that UEFA have found an extra four billion down their ass pocket that they didn't know they had before. <laughs> Maybe that has contributed to the to the it's funny how that works, huh? They just they you know was sitting in the coffers there. Yeah, exactly. Sticking a little like, bit out of the suitcase they forgot about. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be like them, would it, to have uh, to find, <laughs> find a few bob that they didn't know they already heard? Yeah. Oh, sorry. What's that? No, no, that wouldn't be like them at all. Come on, now we're talking about UEFA. All right, Michael. So we will <laughs> do this again. This has been great. Thank you, mate. Everyone, that is where we will leave it for this episode. Fingers crossed for Thursday. Of course, we will be back for a follow-up episode on Friday. Still don't know who I will be joined by, but someone will be alongside me. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, ciao. your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. 